Aperture Priority Show number 19, Buying a New Camera. Welcome to the Aperture Priority Podcast, an Avila Studios production where it's all about photography and fun. Now open up that aperture and let some creative light in. Welcome to show number 19 of Aperture Priority. And again, I have with me today, Mr. Joe Inkelbert. Greetings. Yes, uh, today we're going to open up a hornet's nest probably. Oh, yes. So the topic is going to be uh, buying a new camera. And boy, there's a lot of choices. Right. So the question uh, came to us. If uh, you were just today getting into the photography business or hobby, what camera should you start with? Yeah, boy, and that's a loaded question. Exactly. So I wanted to start start off. Uh, some data came out, I guess, in 2018. The uh, camera sales in general were uh, down, I think, 20% worldwide. And uh, I guess with the smartphones and everybody using it, you you, you can kind of see that. And I know the pixel rate's getting better and such and such, the software. But a, a true camera is still a true camera. Right. You know, you're getting a, the bigger sensor. You could do more with it. If if that's what, you, if you want to be a, you know, an amateur or professional where you want to take nice landscapes and so on and so on. Oh, and we, we talked about the... DSLR or the mirrorless cameras compared to uh, your smartphone cameras uh, in a previous episode, uh, written blogs about it. And the basic, the basic premise and the fallback are two things, the lens, the glass on the front of the camera and the size of the sensor. Mm -hmm. Those two uh, physical dimensions will make the DSLR uh, a clear winner in a lot of different cases. So if you're wanting to get into photography, there's no reason why you couldn't use your cell phone. A lot of people do, and and there's a lot of uh, credible photography being done with modern uh, smartphones. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's just some limitations. All right, well, wildlife shooting. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it probably is not smart to use that 22 millimeter uh, up against the you know, a, a bison in Yellowstone. Yes. <laughs> our, our selfies uh, that uh, has been caused, known to cause death. So that might be, a, or, or a grizzly bear. You probably yeah. want to shoot those with a telephoto. A further away, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just be on the safe side, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, there's so many choices now. Uh, I, I wrote down some camera specs of what I would look for. I know you have, and you brought up a great question. Yeah. Well, if you, let's just uh, say, Tony, that you know nothing about photography. So I'm going to, I'm going to erase your memory and I'm going to say, now you're now, you're just now getting into the hobby or the business. Would you buy a mirrorless or would you buy a DSLR? Which, which, which camp would you uh, reside in? I would have to say, and I'm using a little bit of a prejudice, a little bit of a prejudice. 
because where I see things going, uh, I would, I always do my research. I would probably look mirrorless. I, I would, I would, uh, start off where I'm going to, uh, look at what I'm going to get for long term. Now don't, I don't want to put out that DSLRs are going to disappear. Uh, DSLRs have been around for a while. Uh, and I think they're going to be around still for a long time because when you, when you get to Canon and Nikon, there's so many, uh, so much pro glass out there right. that you could find secondhand and so on and so on. So DSLR is not a bad place to start because your investment will, will, will go on. Plus you can adapt these lenses eventually to uh, a mirrorless. Some may have limitations, but if I were to start off brand new, I would have to say uh, mirrorless. The, what is it? The $64,000 question is which, which brand, right? There's some interesting uh, competition out there. Competition's good. I've been hearing a lot about these Panasonic S1 and S whatever they are, the L Alliance thing mm -hmm. that they went in. I've heard so many great things, but uh, I, I read a, rec a recent article, nobody's buying them. Mm. So because of the sales are down, you know, globally, uh, I think Sony has a, a corner on it. And I will be blunt, as I've, I've said on many shows before, I am not a big fan of their cameras and interface. Can you get great results? Yes, you can with the Sony. I think because Nikon and Canon have been making... Uh, their own glass for their own camera bodies for a long time. There's, there's, there is an advantage there in the color science and all that technical stuff. But uh, if you're starting off and if you get a Sony and you never used anything else, you'd probably think listening to me, what's he talking about? I, I know my way around, but when you've used uh, something like I've used the Nikon menu system and I'm used to it, I could find things quickly. And, uh, I have used I, Sony quite a few times and it's, I've gotten flustered with it. I, we have a friend that owns a Nikon DSLR, uh, high end and he owns a, a high end Sony mirrorless and he bought it for traveling cameras and it frustrates him. In fact, he stopped using it because of the menu system. Yes. But if you started with that, it probably wouldn't matter that much. Probably wouldn't matter. And it's, it's it's just like if you started driving a stick shift. Exactly. Instead of an automatic, people would complain like, oh my God, how do you drive this thing? And you're like, no problem. Uh, let me show you how I yeah. drive it. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you have that. Now, having said that, there are some advantages where you see the histogram as you shoot and you could do all that. Except when you're shooting in studio, there's something you have to do because it, it will not show the flash. And I can't remember what it is because I haven't shot my Fuji in the studio a while. But overall, it, there there is some advantages to mirrorless. But if you're starting off, Joe, there's some great deals on DSLRs that, man, uh, you cannot find that in mirrorless yet in, in prices. And they really are some astounding deals right now. Right. Uh, in fact, you can get into the business for under $300. And that was the challenge that uh, the question was, if I only have 300 bucks or 800 bucks, what would, what would your choice be? Now, 
he'd be hard pressed to get into a uh, a decent mirrorless camera for under three hundred dollars. I don't I'm not sure that even exists right now. But you can buy yeah. a very capable DSLR that you can grow with and and mature in the business and learn the system how to take uh, good photos with it for under three hundred dollars. The and access to lenses incredible selection so the there are good places where you could find refurbished and good used lenses right and i mean when you're talking about the 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 legacy of both canon and nikon and their lenses it's staggering what's mm -hmm. available and it getting new getting into the business for the as a brand new person you probably don't realize the value of that entirely, but it, it really is as you specialize. So when someone asks me, what, what kind of camera should I buy if I'm getting started? The, the question I always ask, well, what kind of photography interests you? Exactly. And if you have an idea what kind of photography interests you, you're, you're ahead of the game. However, I will say this, your interests change over time. Yes, they if do. I if I was a... Uh, if I was a birder, someone that wanted to take pictures of birds in flight and and close-ups of birds, and that's that's quite a popular uh, type of photography, I would not choose a mirrorless uh, camera right now because of the autofocus issues, or or it, the phase detection, or the they're 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 not just quite as accurate as the uh, uh, DSLRs right now. Now, will they fix that? Yes, yeah. they will eventually. But uh, if I were getting into the business and if I was choosing a DSLR, I would take the Nikon D3500. And they have a, it's 289. It has a 24 to 70 millimeter kit lens, which is fine. It shoots at a pretty respectable five frames per second. It's an APS-C, which is a crop sensor, 24.2 megapixels. But the thing is, it keeps everything simple. This is a learning camera. In fact, it has a built-in photography tutor. And it's really, Nikon's done a really good job of teaching you about photography within the camera. It's a pretty good performance, well, for $300. Mm -hmm. um, now, does it have the custom settings and the, the front command the front uh, command dial note they had it those are higher end but man if you're if you're just getting into the business and 300 bucks is the is the budget then this is one of the three that i would recommend exactly uh another thing uh starting and not just because we both use nikon what's nice about the nikon system the f mount you could grow with that even with the cropped uh lens uh right. the dx i think they're called dx right the dx is you could slap that dx lens on the d850 on the fx bodies yeah and it just grays out what you're not going to get if i'm exactly not mistaken. so yeah yeah it when kinda, you when you put a crop sensor lens a dx lens on a fx full frame nikon body it reduces the sensor to the crop size exactly Canon does not do that, by the way. If you put an EFS lens, you, you cannot physically mount an EFS lens, a crop sensor lens on a full-frame body. And I was I was shocked when I heard that because uh, we have a, uh, three people in our group uh, that have Canon and uh, when they and one former who switched to Sony, when they told me that, I was kind of caught off guard. I, I And again, I 
the experience that I have with Canon a couple of years ago when the uh, 5D Mark IV came out, I've, I've, I've uh, well, how can I say it? I've experienced uh, editing those images because mm -hmm. a friend of mine helped me do my friend John's wedding mm -hmm. and he's the only one who shot Canon. And I did like the image, you know, that came off of that. So I had to make all set up uh, a thing in uh, oh, Lightroom where I got the Canon and the Nikon uh, images to all kind of look alike, you know, for the wedding. Right. So, because Canon, their color science is a little bit different. Uh, their skin tones are not as warm as the Nikon. Yeah, and that's and that's personal taste. That's yeah, you know exactly. Uh, Canon does have a a nice sub three hundred dollar camera, the uh, the Rebel T one hundred or the EOS four thousand D, depending on which country you live in. And it's around two fifty two sixty. It's an eighteen megapixel crop sensor. It comes also with a twenty seven uh, to seventy millimeter kit lens. It uh, has a little bit lower frame rate of three frames per second, so it's not quite as fast as the Nikon. Mm -hmm. And it's got a it's the best price. It's it handles nicely. Uh, it uh, the back monitor is a little bit lower resolution, and then. So to branch off into the Fuji, Fuji has a very capable uh, the XT100 for just under three hundred bucks. It's simple, basic. I like the style. It looks retro. Mm -hmm. It looks like the old film cameras. I kind of like the styling of it. It too is a crop sensor, twenty four point two megapixels, the same as the Nikon thirty five hundred, and it too comes with a twenty four seventy millimeter. But it, and it has the fastest frame rate of the three, uh, six frames per second. So those are my three choices for uh, $300 or less. And what I would say, if you're looking for maybe one above that, uh, Fuji, the X-T2, you can find, the, uh, and this is current, what I saw, you get that for right under its seven dollars $800. And that's a 24 megapixel uh, camera. Uh, very capable. It's a great little camera. And the nice thing about Fuji, they go a little bit further back with their firmware upgrades. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. Uh, you can get one with a kit. Well, it's not a kit lens. It's a 35 F2 lens. So the 35 in crop sensor is almost uh, the view of a 50 millimeter in, in a 35 millimeter full frame sensor. Right. Like the D850. Mm -hmm. So that's $1,200. And if you want to get a whole kit and caboodle, like battery grip and everything for $1,500, you get that and the battery grip with the extra thing. So you could find deals out there. And I wouldn't hesitate to look for something that's been refurbished. So you could get a little bit. Can you do everything with a Fuji with the Nikon? Yes. The only thing uh, Fuji doesn't have a big selection of is your big glass if you're going to be doing uh, birding. Right. Like the 300s and the 400s. Or sports photography right. or anything with that uh, really pushing it out there. Right. Or with the, with the, with the Nikon, with, and I brought up, uh, I wrote it down here, that D500, that's, that's a great bird camera. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm going to get back to that because I, I want to tell you a little story. About that. So if you have a little bit more money, 800 mm -hmm. bucks and or so, I, I think uh, you might want to consider the Nikon D5600. 
It's running about $600 uh, right now, and it comes with a nice 24-70, same kit lens, but uh, it's a good starter lens. It, too, mm -hmm. is 24.2. It's a crop sensor. It gives you uh, five frames per second. So all those specs are identical to the 3500, but it has uh, a lot better, more sophisticated autofocus. Mm -hmm. And it has an articulated uh, touchscreen on the back. And, of course, with that... Uh, more sophisticated autofocus, you have a little bit more of a learning curve. But this is a better camera in that term, in that in that respect. Okay. Then if you're going to do a Canon, the Canon Rebel uh, T7i, and it's about $700. And it has the exact same specs. It comes with an 18 to 55 millimeter lens. It has a little more robust six frames per second. It too is 24.2 megapixels, and it's a crop sensor. It's got a great touchscreen. It has Wi-Fi capability, so you can send your images directly to your um, devices through that. Great video. Uh, and then the last one, and then uh, for under 800 bucks is the Olympus OMD EM10 Mark III. I wish, I wish Olympus had a little easier <laughs> uh, nomenclature. This one is uh, for small hands. It's ideal. It's a great travel. It's retro styling, which I like. It has a tilting electronic screen. And it comes with a slightly smaller crop sensor. It's a four-thirds. They're the only one on the planet that uses that, I think. Uh, Panasonic. Uh, pa Panasonic, okay. And they, it's a, a little lower megapixel, 16.1, 24.70, nine frames per, per second. So it has the highest frame rate of any of the cameras that what we've talked about so far. And when you're traveling, you, you kind of have to <clears throat> think about what do you want to carry? You could buy, uh, like, uh, our friend Felix has a, uh, Carl Zeiss 35 millimeter 1.4. It's bigger than my, uh, 200 millimeter, uh, F4 lens for my Nikon. And it does weigh a little bit. And it weighs a ton. Yeah. Mount that on top of a D850 in front, I should say. And you have a beast. Yeah, you do. And I, if you don't mind and you ask somebody you could bribe to carry this stuff for you, yeah. But for traveling, I mean, you talk about standing out. I mean, that lens is just huge. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great lens. Uh, we tested it and it, yeah, it's got that Carl's ice look, but my God. God, it weighs a ton. It really does, yes. So I would look at APS-C uh, type of system. Uh, now, the Micro Four Thirds, I, I'm going to be honest. I've never used it. I don't know anybody personally, but I know a lot of people that use them just swear by them. They love them, mm, yeah. and they probably like that small uh, form factor. But a couple of months ago when we did the car show, we went out on a Saturday morning downtown Visalia for that Correct. car yes, show. Yes. I took, I hadn't used my Fuji X-T1 in a while. So I took that in a 23 millimeter uh, 1.4 lens, which is like a 35 millimeter on regular uh, full frame. And that's what I wanted because these shots are probably not going to be something I'm going to do something with. But the camera and its size and everything, APS-C and mirrorless, it's not too bad. Even a 1.4 lens, it's still small enough. It was light. 
until my friend Felix uh, wanted me to t- uh, haul a Hasselblad and t- shoot a Hasselblad with them in my backpack. But the idea was to be light because, you know, we're hitting 95 degrees and, you know, you don't want to be carrying a ton of stuff no. here in the valley. Uh, but the size, I I, I like that uh, because it's more you're not lugging this big, huge monster of a camera around your neck. And when you're a regular 35 millimeter lens at 1.4 is that big. And Sigma does the same thing with their art lenses. You, you, there's so much glass in them. They're so big. I don't see them as travel unless you, you're traveling somewhere and you want to get that one shot and you bought that lens for that purpose and you're wanting to get this ginormous print done. Okay, then. There you go. Exactly. And that brings us up to another point. And if you have more money than eight hundred dollars, there's you know the sky's the limit. You can you can you know money's no object then, and you have the ability to uh, for the learning curve because if you start buying these more sophisticated cameras, you're going to want to maximize the the uh, the money or maximize what you can do with those cameras. You're you're going to have a steeper learning curve. You're going to have to get into Photoshop. There you have another learning curve. And before you know it, your hobby has consumed you, which yeah. is fine, but just a, a, a warning. So more disk space. Yeah, you got because a camera doesn't come without the place to uh, edit these things. So you need a, a little more horsepower on your, uh, your laptop or your desktop. And, and it doesn't end. It, it's, it's a sickness. I'm, I'm, not, I'm warning you right off the front. You'll, 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 you'll say, oh, I'm not getting Photoshop. So you buy another image editor and you'll use it. And you're like, hmm. Then you go over to your friend's house, they have Photoshop. And then they'll, then you're like, well, okay, I'm going to plunge into this Adobe thing. And it goes on and on and on. Now you're paying a monthly fee. All right. So yeah, it is a hobby that yeah, you can. Right. Yeah. Then you see your friend has a two to 500 F 5.6 constant zoom and you're like hmm, i want that well it's only 1300 you know and ka-ching 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 and uh, uh, I, I hear the common thread is that you probably just need to get rid of all your friends and then you'll be fine you'll be fine yes now i did find uh sony it's an older model it's the a7 II. the thing with sony when you go on they've kept so many of their cameras they keep making which is fine and you can get it for right under a thousand dollars it's a 24 4.3 megapixel with a 28 to 70 lens. That's not a bad kit to get everything in. Uh, and some of them, they, you get a case and a card for full, and that's full frame. Uh, that's not bad. But I'm going to get into something in a bit. Uh, what was confusing when I was looking these up, they just came out with that 61 megapixel. Uh, yes. So... Now you're going to see BSI, uh, you know, which stands for backside illuminated. Uh, it's the sensor. Yes. And basically, I'm not going to read all. You're supposed to, it's more for low light performance, the way it works. So Nikon, uh, Sony, and Fuji, you're, you're going to see that term BSI. So it's it's how it captures light. It's a little bit better. So again, if you want to be the the newest and best, maybe that's what you're going to want to look at. 
Well, the the inherent advantage of a full-frame sensor, the 35-millimeter size sensor, is its low-light capabilities. Right. Right. Don't get trapped or think that the more megapixels is better. There's some uh, unintended or, shall we say, uh, hidden consequences to buying yes. higher megapixel cameras. Yes. And uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up when I switched to the D800 there was these shots, you know, I was shooting indoors. I had plenty of light and I can't remember why I didn't have my monopod on me, probably because I couldn't find it. And I opened the images and this was the, what, an autofocus camera. They were a little soft and I've noticed hmm, it's like camera shake hmm. because you know, the D800 has 36 megapixels, which is higher than what I used to shoot. I used to shoot with basically 12 and 16. Right. I don't remember. I think I've shot with 24 before. Mm -hmm. So the higher megapixels, you have to kind of be careful with your cameras. You want to be a little bit more, uh, especially with these like 61, you know. You 61 megapixels. Yeah, because yeah. that's the current bar that Sony put out there now. It used to be 47, and I believe uh, I believe Canon had a 50 megapixel one. I think they still do, Yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah. Yeah, so that's something, that's something to do with the resolution, and that's where something like having uh, IBIS. In-body image stabilization. Yes. Yes, and currently on DSLRs, I, uh, that's the next generation. That's, it would have to be because I think of all the manufacturers, I believe maybe Pintex may have it, which is a name that's kind of forgotten. Oh, you remember in the days when you were learning uh, K the, Pintex K1000? K1000, <laughs> everyone cut their teeth and film on that bad boy. So the larger megapixels are less forgiving for camera shake. That's the bottom line, mm -hmm. which uh, I mentioned the D500, the Nikon D500 is real popular with birders mm -hmm. and sports action. The, uh, for a couple of reasons, it's a crop sensor. And what, what birders are doing is they're sticking that two to 500 millimeter lens or a 500 millimeter lens on that crop sensor. So they're getting what, uh, 800 millimeters or 750, whatever the crop factor is. It's way up there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's 750. Yeah, 750. But you see, it, since it's a 20, 21, 20.9 megapixel uh, sensor, you don't have as, it's, it's much more forgiving on camera mm -hmm. shake. Mm -hmm. So they're getting stunning birds and flight images mm -hmm. that's been the that's been the latest development and if you were really serious about doing sports shooting aircraft in flight anything moving like birds or anything i that would be something i'd look at because canon doesn't offer that two to five hundred millimeter lens right and you have to go to a third party nikon does it's native the 500 has a really high frame rate it is a, right. a birder's dream right now. Yeah, that buffer on that's very, oh, very yes. uh, impressive. So that is an impressive camera. Uh, and again, you could use you you could have a D five hundred. Then later on, if you want to get a D eight fifty or whatever, oh, you'd have the best of both worlds. Yeah, so that's kind of where the Nikon when they came out with the D eight fifty in the DSLR world. Canon came out, and, and it is a good camera, the, the 5D Mark IV, but they haven't answered that D850 because price-wise, 
right now, I think there's only a $200 difference. Between the Mark IV and the and 850? The yeah. And what I would tell you, not just because it has 17 or 15 more megapixels, that D850 is is a beast. It's it's a it's considered the best D, digital DSLR to date built. A, a lot of people have that opinion, right? So will Canon answer the bell on that, or are they going to be concentrating maybe more on the mirrorless? I know they're going to have to come out with a one D mock, whatever it is now, probably for the Olympics too. I I agree, and, and you know a lot of our friends who are Canon users are. Uh, a little unsettled by the apparent lackadaisical attitude that Canon has right now. They don't seem to be as innovative. And this is these aren't my words. These are some of my right. our, our friends and colleagues in the business. And they think that Nikon has outperformed them in a couple in the last iteration. Now they've been leapfrogging each other for decades. For so decades. You know, this is not the end of the story. Right. And, and and I do kind of see that because honestly, when I was looking up all these models and coming up with kits and everything, I only brought up one Canon and, uh, and their mirrorless one that came out got a lot of backlash too for the one card, but it didn't have in-body image stabilization, which was a little bit of a surprise. And that is a big <laughs> surprise actually, because that is the one huge advantage of these high megapixel cameras is to have the in-body image stabilization. And I believe they came out with a new 51.2 and a 28 to 70 F2, mm. which is just a huge piece of glass. And you, now you have these big motors, you have to put them to put, to push those elements Yeah, and not having in-body image stabilization is, was, was, was a bit of, of a surprise. Right. Well, the, the the EOS 5D Mark IV is a 30.4 megapixel. That's uh, a decent, you know, these are excellent cameras. You know, you could make a living with this camera. Yeah. This is an excellent camera. I'm not in the sure. slightest bit. This is a very high-end camera. And if, but it's around $2,100 right now, just the body. And it, it's a sophisticated instrument. And, and I would uh, highly recommend it if that's what, you know, if you want to go in in that particular direction. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb. If if, if you had a little bit more money, <laughs> not too much, but let's say you want to get something good to start. Uh, the Nikon Z6, I would go over the Z6 over the Z7. Why? Because the Z8s will probably come out. Mm. And if you just want one camera right now and 24 megapixels, I think is great. And the reason I'm saying that, because I've been doing... Uh, well, so with Joe and uh, John and uh, anybody else brave enough to go out till one in the morning, we've been doing a lot of astro photography. <laughs> yes, and I think twenty four hundred because of the low noise. I think it's it's a great uh, you get these great images. Right now, there's a current uh, Nikon you can get for right under twenty four hundred dollars. That's with the adapter. The Z, whatever it's called. Uh, mm, oh yes, the the F F mount adapter uh, with a twenty four to seventy uh, the F four lens. So you're talking about the F to Z mount adapter mm -hmm. for the Nikon mirrorless Z six, and at right at twenty three hundred dollars, twenty three ninety six. So right at twenty four, that's a great kit. 
here's the thing. You could grow with it in the future. Now, again, if, if you're looking for a higher step where you're going to want to go, okay, I want to get a little bit more. That's not a bad kit to get because you could adapt the G FX lenses. Yes. The G. The yes. G. That's something the, that, the older that, will, ones. that will autofocus. Yes, the older ones. Uh, and that is the beauty about Nikon is you have a, a rich legacy and Canon as well of lenses. lenses. And if you really want to try to bargain hunt, you can always go on a place like eBay and you can find these bodies for less than we've been describing. Mm-hmm. And you can oftentimes get a deal. Now, I went go big, go home. If money <laughs> is no object. Call me. No. <laughs> yes. The GFX 50R versus the Sony uh, A7R 40, Four. which came out the 50, the 61 megapixels. The GFXR is... 50, it's a medium format sensor. It's $3,900 versus $35 for that Sony. And the lenses are, uh, yeah, they're expensive. But if you get into the higher glass of no matter what system, they're going to be expensive. But the Fuji lenses are not really more expensive than the high-end G Master Sony lenses. So, for instance, the... uh, the 50 GFX 51 3.5. And you got to remember the aperture openings are not the same. So uh, where you could have a 1.4 lens, like a 50 millimeter one on a 35 millimeter. Well, that's equivalent to, I believe at F2 at the same on a medium format. So you could get really Great quality built lenses for let's see the the fifty millimeters uh, uh, right under a thousand dollars. The GFX forty five millimeter, which is is like something you would use at a landscape. I can't, I don't have the correction in my head. I think it's going to be like a maybe a thirty five millimeter, which would be ideal for landscape. Twelve hundred dollars. Then there's zoom. It's a f four constant thirty two to sixty four eighteen hundred. Which sounds alike, but if you look at the new Nikon uh, 24 to 72.8 and the Sony 24 72.8 and go look at the Canon uh, 28 millimeter F2, it's a F2 lens, which is great, to 70. The prices are quite high. Now, again, this is going high, high in. Uh, which begs the question of, again... If you have that kind of money to spend, is is it money well spent? Exactly. Uh, I will say this though: if you're ready to make that plunge and go into, and you've learned, you you've cut your teeth and you've learned uh, how to take good pictures with these entry level cameras, then my advice is to spend your money on the lenses first. Yeah, yeah, and that two to five, two to three hundred dollar range to try out because. Here's something I, I would suggest to do. And I learned through some of my friends because they'll buy something, they'll spend a good amount of money and it ends up on the shelf. Gathering dust. They will, they will not use it. So uh, either rent or if you just want to plunge $200, $300 is not bad way to get into the hobby or is this going to be a profession that you want to get into? Then your gear can grow. DSLR is still going to be around for a while. 
those lenses, eventually you'll be able to adapt to your uh, mirrorless. I was just uh, thinking that film is making a comeback, by the way. Yeah. I mean, uh, there there is a, a growing market because uh, photographers coming into the business, they say, yeah, we don't, I don't want the modern stuff. I want the vintage stuff mm-hmm. because, you know, they're rediscovering film. And I, I was just thinking, I wonder if someday some future photographer is going to rediscover a digital SLR. <laughs> you know, everything is going to go mirrorless. And then somebody in the future is going to go, hey, you know, this D850, that was a heck of a camera. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you never know because you have a hipster say, hey, I shoot DSLRs now. Exactly. Everyone I'm looks looking at through an optical viewfinder. Exactly. What, what's that? <laughs> yeah. So, it again, that's a good starting point price point the thing is is to do your homework get somebody that knows cameras i would say most people that i've dealt with in camera shops professional shops like a sam's they know what they're talking about they know how to get you in beware some of these places that i try to get you in and maybe promise you these kits you have to be careful. Yeah. Uh, know your what you're getting into. Be careful what you buy on Amazon and even B and H. Make sure. Uh, and this is something we should bring up in another show: gray market cameras. You'll save money, but if you ever have to send that in, you're going to run into an issue. And this is something we're probably going to talk about more in the future. Right. Uh, yeah. Gray market cameras. What is a gray market, and how does that affect you? So, bottom line. Uh, I want to remind you that these choices, these camera descriptions will be uh, online with a link that you can look at and and, and review the things, the recommendations right. that we've said. All right. And for, for that much money, two, $300, you start shooting a little bit more, you can buy a second camera if you're going to start shooting professionally and still be at a price where you can grow your system in case you need a second shooter. Right. If you're doing a quinceanera, a small wedding, I, 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 I would trust more higher-end cameras. But sometimes when you start out, you have to start out with what you, what you get. Right. Exactly. And, and to show, years ago when I got my first D70, I had switched from a Hasselblad. I wish I, hand, hang, I held on to that Hasselblad. To digital. And Nikon came out with the D70 and I plunged into it. Which uh, I think on the Canon side they were already on the I forget they're not they're they're not D they're uh, it was their twenty D and thirty D it was about to come out and these people and I I would compete with you know at at the local fair professional I would I'd make a portrait well my D seventy that I took this portrait with of my friend uh, won. And, and color portrait and it, it was taking the d70 a six was a six or eight megapixel i can't remember and yes with the 70 to 200 2.8 good glass good glass right and uh, i remember the guy uh later on his name is dave he's the one that he didn't know it was mine I mean, he's a friend of mine he goes goes what did you use and i told him and he had a hard time believing i used that simple d70, d70. yeah it's you you learn the craft right it's it's a six megapixel Whopper camera six megapixel. and it goes back to the a cell phone will take a great picture it's the human brain behind the camera that's the most important tool 
Yes. Yes. Great. Well, I think we filled people with lots of information. Uh, full of something. Yep. <laughs> Joe, so where can we find you? www.brightangelimages.com or brightangelimages at gmail.com or brightangel underscore images at Instagram. Great. And me, uh, go to the avalastudios.com website. I'm also on iTunes. I, I, I need to uh, fix that. Uh, Apple's going to change that it, towards the end of the year. So I got to go do some research on that. But we're, it's posted there. You could find the Aperture Priority podcast page on uh, Facebook, uh, Tony Avila 64 on Instagram. And if I'm forgetting something, I'll remember it because I'm all over the place and I can't remember everything. Facebook. Facebook, yes. And uh, let's leave it off again. And I have to look because I haven't done the show in a while and my brain's full of so many things. I got school coming up, so I had to write a syllabus and blah, 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 blah. And I still haven't done my taxes for this month. So I got to do that uh, for the state of California or I'm in trouble. So remember to open up that aperture and let some of that creative light in. Aperture Priority is an Avila Studios production. For more information on what Avila Studios has to offer, please visit us on the World Wide Web at avilastudios.com.